1: Hello, everyone. Good afternoon, good evening, or even good morning from wherever you're listening to uh, this LinkedIn Live. My name is Naishad Gadani, and I'm the founder of Your Career Down Under. And I'm back in Melbourne, for those who did not know. Uh, the news hasn't spread so far, so I'm back in <laughs> Melbourne. But I'm still, you know, still in, in a 14-day quarantine period. I'm staying at a, at a beautiful hotel right in downtown in Melbourne. A place where it's it's beautiful, it's great, but we can't get out of this uh, place. Uh, you know, there's a security guard sitting outside, twenty four seven. It feels presidential uh, for those who uh, who you know who does not know how quarantine feels. But uh, but I think that's that's well thought of uh, in the in the light of the pandemic and in the light of what coronavirus can do for public health. Uh, but why me and Caroline? Uh, you know. Rocks up on your LinkedIn screen every day 3 p.m. Except Saturday and Sunday is that we are here to deliver a care package, a career care package. Uh, as we all know, we are in trying uh, circumstances. We are in unprecedented times of job losses and also you know businesses are also traveling in quite uncertain times. But what we want to help all the job seekers and professionals out there is to provide different perspectives and, uh, you know, strategies so that you could navigate during these unprecedented times. You know, you could thrive or you could survive in these trying circumstances. So that's why we bring experts because we know that we we don't know everything that's why we bring experts like leah today that we are bringing to you uh so before i and i continue i want to welcome uh, the collaborator of the show caroline welcome
2: thanks Nesha. it's great to be here on a beautiful sunny melbourne day that we can all enjoy because it's uh it's one of those gorgeous days with the kind of gentle sun which is really nice so Um, I think it's colder inside than it is um, outside. So, yeah, fantastic to be here and welcome back to Neshad, who's in his uh, lockdown even more. And um, today we're going to be talking about behavioural interviews. So I've uh, been on the other side of many uh, an interview table interviewing people and um, I know that these are really tricky things to handle because there's a certain way that you're... The interviewer wants you to present information and uh, if you don't do your prep you can get really tripped up by them and they're a very very common interview tool so um, that's why we invited invited leah lambert from uh relaunch me career uh, sorry it's relaunch me isn't it um, yes that's Korea? correct yeah um who is going to ha- have a chat with us around how to master how to behave how to be brilliant at behavioral interviews there's no pressure on on you, Leah, with this. So. <laughs> Thanks, Carolyn.
0: Yeah, well, thank okay. you for, you know, look, it's great to be here. It's, uh, this is a topic that's dear to my heart. It's my favourite area of coaching. So thank you for inviting me on.
2: Yeah, absolute pleasure. Do you want to tell people a bit about your background and then we'll dive into some meaty questions that will will help um, our audience?
0: Yeah, for sure. Look, I, um, as many of us career coaches, I obviously haven't worked in this space for a lot, you know, I've been in this uh, coaching for about six years. Um, prior to that, I actually started my career as a chartered accountant working for a big four firm in taxation. And I worked in that area, I qualified to be a chartered accountant, uh, but decided look, I, I think I knew pretty early on that it probably wasn't the right career for me. Um, I loved working for KPMG and I loved the people, but I really didn't enjoy the work um, and it just wasn't the right fit for my personality and my strengths. And so I moved into recruitment and I worked for six years actually recruiting accountants in, and accounting and finance staff in an agency, which I absolutely loved. I then worked in-house in a law firm in recruitment and HR. Uh, I worked in uh implementing and helping companies select and implement e-recruitment technology and then I had my three children within four years and over that time I did a lot of self-assessment and decided that I'd, I'd like to focus on the career coaching which is it's like recruitment but helping the candidate rather than focusing on the business development and the sales side um, and that's how I came to be a career coach.
2: Wow, it's funny how how we start off and where we end up basically. I'm sure you know I think the stats are like six to six career changes from the time we we finish uni. but um, so you must have seen a lot of people an um, um, interview and I guess the first question is like for people who don't know what what is a behavioral interview?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So a behavioural interview uh, will usually include what I call general questions as well as behavioural questions. So Mm -hmm. general questions are usually questions that are, you know, to find out a little bit about your experience and you as a person and also what your motivations are. So, Mm -hmm. for instance, you know, tell us about yourself. What are your transferable skills? You know, what are your key strengths? Why do you want to work for us? They're what I call general questions. Mm-hmm. Behav- behavioural questions, they are questions that are targeting a specific competency or a skill. So competency and skill, the word's interchangeable. I tend to use the word competency when I talk about behavioural interviews. So behavioural interviews for most big companies, they they do or they should have what we call a competency framework. And that's a document that human resources develop for the purposes of recruitment and performance management. So in that competency framework, we know what, each, what the competencies are required for each job area and job level. Um, and so the behavioral questions are really targeting very spe- specific skills or competencies required to do that particular job. Mm. Um, and the way you will recognize a behavioral interview is that it will start off with, tell us about a time when, Give us an example of describe a situation. So, mm-hmm. as soon as the uh, interviewer asks you for a very specific story or example, you know that that's a behavioural interview question.
2: So, from your experience, um, are, are larger organisations using these more, or government using these more, or, or are they, you could expect them with most, most interviews, do you think?
0: Yeah, look, definitely always government. So government, Mm -hmm. universities, local council, they are really big on behavioural questions. And I would say 90% of larger organisations, or probably nearly all of larger organisations, are using behavioural questions at some point in the process. Mm -hmm. So um, definitely usually in the face-to-face final interview, and if it's a panel interview, it will always be behavioural-based. Um, mm. They're also using behavioural questions in graduate interviews, which are often a video interviews, particularly mm. at the moment. Um, so, look, I think it's a technique that you need to understand how to answer behavioural questions, you know, from graduate right up to executive level
2: mm. and
0: across all industries, really.
2: Yeah. And why are they so popular? Like, why, why, do they, why are they used?
0: Yeah, so the... the the idea behind behavioral interviews is that your responses will be very specific and they Mm. will describe a particular time or situation when you have successfully used that particular competency. Mm. So the idea is that rather than being a hypothetical response, you know, this is the sort of thing I would do, it is always evidence-based. So this is what I did and this is how I did it and this is how I was successful. Mm-hmm. So the, the whole idea is that past behavior is the best way to predict future behavior.
1: I think it also, you know, Leah, uh, you know, in terms of behavioral response, behavioral question responses, many people struggle with that because, you know, you know, th- you know there's, a, there's a method to how you respond to that. Now, a lot of people know the method, but they don't know the material around it. So in terms of your experience, what are some of the things that people really struggle, why people struggle with behavioural responses? Is is it because they don't remember their incident? Is it because they are unaware of what was the outcome of the incident? What are your views on why people struggle?
0: Yeah, so uh, to answer behavioural questions, the preferred method of answering these questions is what we call the STAR method. And... A lot of people have heard of that method. However, I do find a lot of people, they think they understand it, but they don't really know how to use it correctly or where to put the weight of their response in the STAR method. So there are some common mistakes. I I would say the first one is that people, uh, particularly often really experienced people, they still think they can wing it. Um, Mm. And they think, you know, I've got, you know, I've worked in all these really, high profile roles and I've got all these great examples and so they don't prepare and they don't practice their examples, they just think, oh, you know, they'll come to me in the interview. Um, So lack of preparation is definitely, you know, a key area where people go wrong. Um, The second thing would be using, sometimes they give, and again, really experienced people will give great examples, but it's not the right example for that competency or Mm. for that particular question. Uh, so, for instance, uh, the example might be, or the question might be, "Can you tell us about a time when you use your influencing skills?" Hmm. Uh, so, what I find might happen is they tend to talk about this great project that they've delivered, hmm. and they talk, they tell us all about the project and what the purpose is of the project, but they completely miss out the part about where they influence someone. Uh, and so often I'll run through an example with someone and then I'll say, well, where was the influencing part?
1: Mm. And they'll
0: say, oh, I had to always use my influencing skills. And I say, well, <laughs> you, did <it>. you, you <laughs> didn't tell us that bit. <laughs> um, and it sounded like it sounded actually really easy, like you it, it didn't really have to influence anyone at all. And mm. then when we sort of, so it's sort of getting, it's really getting into depth it yeah. could be just around one discussion or one obstacle you had to overcome rather than telling us about a project that went for six months. Mm. Yeah. So,
1: yeah,
2: it's really uh, interesting, uh, isn't it? Mm. You want to say
1: something, Nesh? No, no, I think, uh, you know, the aspect that I, I have always struggled with behavioral interviews is that. You know, there's one person who, or two people who are all constantly writing it, right? Uh, in an open-ended scenario, you know, the person is looking at me. They are not recording all those, you know, responses. But typically, in a behavioral, you know, interview, then they are responding and writing it and nodding their head and everything. <laughs> so you know, it, it's you know, it's it's really sometimes becomes, and I end up you know walking out of the interview. That was amazing mind-blowing interview and, and the interview results are absolutely different so you know how how do you handle that because you know a is that you're not getting the messages uh you know there's no the body language is purely of them documenting it and i understand why they document that yeah it's, you know it said you know you know it just it just doesn't sort of connect uh, sometimes so what are your thoughts on how do people respond to this because you know in my in my head i'm thinking oh maybe it's not it's not going right maybe she stopped writing why did she stop writing this right? <laughs> you know, she should be writing it, right so i'm constantly worried about you know if this is i'm i don't know whether this is um you know really a concern that you might have come across or not but this is what i uh, i i I'm, I'm a little bit fearful uh you know in that how do you want people to respond to all those kind of things
0: Yeah, well, look, I would say the first thing is you want them to be writing something down. If they're not writing, then that's a problem because the panel are listening out for certain behaviours that you've demonstrated that show that you actually meet that competency. So if they're not writing, then you're probably not giving them the information that they need. Uh, Look, it is really hard sometimes to read a panel Uh, And often like I think if you're getting some head nodding, then that's actually you're quite lucky. Sometimes people get nothing Mm. Um, No, no response uh, Just, you know, it it really will depend on the personality sometimes they'll be very engaging and welcoming other times They'll give you nothing Um, And often, you know clients often say to me, you know, should I make a bit of a joke like should you know when I talk about tell us myself should and I look I say well, you've just got to be careful because if it falls flat and they don't laugh, then that can really throw you off your game. Um, So sometimes I think it's safer to read the audience if they're very serious, not sort of in a joking mood, then perhaps, you know, leave the jokes out um, to play it safe. Uh, But look, you do want them to be writing. I think you just have to not take it personally if they're not, they're, they're listening for your answers, they're concentrating on what you're saying rather than trying to sort of build rapport with you
2: mm. what do you reckon is a sign that um you've you've nailed it like you've you've done a good interview what is there anything that is a like a consistent sign that for people
0: yeah look and look it's really hard sometimes to read because often they still have other candidates to interview mm. so you know, they may think you're the perfect person, but they might not want to give anything away in case the next person's even better. Uh, But look, I, I had a client the other day who went to an interview who towards the end of the interview, the client was saying, well, this is what you would be doing and you would be helping me with this and you would be writing these, you know, letters and And she was very, you know, very warm and very friendly at the end. And, you know, I think the fact that she was sort of talking about it as if she already had the job, that was definitely a good sign. So we'll wait and see whether that actually Mm. comes through. Um, But look, you know, I think often people, uh, recruiters are very uh, careful about giving candidates too much hope. Um, In case there is a reason, you know, a better candidate comes along Mm. or something changes. So, you know, I think you just uh, one thing I do suggest is as you leave the interview, perhaps ask them for a bit of a timeline in terms of when you will hear next steps. Mm. And that way you've actually got a date to, you know, when you can follow up if you haven't heard anything.
2: I always used to find when I was recruiting, I, I was pretty circumspect about not giving away too much information, even if I absolutely loved that person because, you know, they, their references could be bad or the job could fall through. Or as, as you say, you could always see somebody that hits the nail a, um, a bit sharper, I think. But, um, yeah, so um, just going back to prep, like what's good prep? Like, you know, we, we spoke at the start about, um, the influencing ex- example and people using that, or, uh, you know, project managing and forgetting to talk about the influencing bit, does that speak to not the right prep or not really understanding the role or what, what happens yeah. there?
0: So, look, I think the first thing is going through, if you have the position description, you need to know it really well. Um, mm. So, you know, the first thing is really understanding the role and what are the The core competencies that's, you know, if it's a technical role, like even if it's a software developer or an engineering role, there's still core skills like, you know, people management or teamwork or influencing stakeholder engagement. So there's a lot of core skills that sit around the technical. So Mm. the behavioral questions are always going to be linked to those. So it's unlikely you're going to get it, you know, you're not going to get a behavioral question around your Excel skills. Hmm. Um, or your ability to code. You know, I think usually if you're already at the interview, there's an expected, um, I guess they expect that you can meet that technical requirement or there might Hmm. even be a technical component. So I think understanding the job really well and what the competencies are and then doing that self-assessment and thinking about the most relevant and ideally recent examples that you have where you have demonstrated that particular competency. And then it's you know i would say write it out and practice 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 um mm. you know really there's nothing worse than listening to your own voice um <laughs> and no, you know, in, yeah i don't <laughs> um, <laughs> most people don't but i always thought yeah. the more you practice beforehand the more likely it will feel more natural on the day
2: yeah
1: so, Leah, can you give us, like, you know, an example, uh, or, or, you know, help us to how should one respond to that? Because one, of, one of the questions that I usually get asked is, you know, should I, you know, respond in for two minutes, two and a half minutes, one and a half minutes? Do you have kind of a an optimum time that, you know, when people also lose interest, that these guys keep going, keep going, you know, or, yeah. or what, what's your views on? the uh so couple of things the depth or you know what can you cover in the in that uh question in the response and also the time frame uh of response yeah
0: so look i always aim for a time frame of around three minutes for behavioral having said that i have had clients recently who've done video recorded interviews and they've got a time limit of like two minutes which Hmm. is really hard to deliver a behavioral example and get enough depth into it so if you have got a video interview like it's if you hopefully have got some instructions around the time frames that's really important to look at because you know if you're halfway through your example then you get cut off then you know that's not going to be a good result Um, so look i would aim for three minutes up to four but you know not too short Uh, i guess just in terms of star the situation the task is really just giving context uh, some people actually call it the car method and take out the, the S&T and cut it down to three steps. So it's really giving some overview of where you were, what what role you were doing, what usually it's some sort of problem you've got to deal with. It's the actions that's most important. And that's where, you've, you know, again, where people make mistakes is they spend ages describing the situation, the task. And then they might give one really little small action or none at all and jump straight to the result. And they've missed all the marks in the middle. So, Mm. you know, actions and result is really important um, that you get enough depth into that and explain how you actually dealt with the situation. Um, Mm. And just uh, another point I'll make is, you know, often I find even really experienced candidates and sometimes I think it's harder for them because they're so used to just doing, handling these issues and dealing with difficult people that they never have to actually articulate how they do it. Mm. it just it's just something they do and I guess they assume the panel know how they do it mm. so sometimes it's reminding them that you know these people have never worked with you they actually mm. don't know how you deal with these situations so you've still got to talk them through the process
2: mm. I found that with um yeah a few of my senior candidates that they don't they they assume that everybody is at that same level or it's a given and it you know implied in what in what they do and they can trip themselves up really um, really quickly with that so when you're coaching people what's the method that you do apply to say get the the best out of people
0: uh look I you know I guess it's going through examples with them making sure that they're the right examples um, mm. often as I said there can be great examples but they just don't they just don't meet that particular competency um, mm. so it's making sure they've got the right examples that they've got the right behaviors in the examples and that they're delivering them in the in the best possible way, using strong language, not really passive language, um, mm. and you know, confident with their delivery.
1: Let mm. so you talk about You know, strong language. You know, is it you know that you've got to really articulate, or can you simplify that? I am of an opinion to simplify. Uh, you know the the technical or you know any jargons uh, you know that you normally use day to day and to simplify the message but also want to you know, ask you about the 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 language that you usually use is it is it like you know more active verbs that you use to to kind of drive your point is that what you're getting at
0: yeah that's right so i guess an example of that would be rather than saying we met to discuss interview coaching for you, it would be I organised a meeting with Leah and Carolyn to discuss how we approach the interviewee coaching strategy. So instead of we met, or you know, you don't want to use the word we because the panel want to know what you did. So it's taking using strong action words. I identified. I uh, proposed. I discussed. I suggested, rather than we met. We decided. You know. Yeah, so it's showing that you took the lead where possible.
1: Yeah, I so it's so. more about individual contribution, uh, or, you know, your contribution to the outcome rather than the team's contribution to the outcome.
0: That's right. And another mistake that you're probably well aware of is people who say we all the time. Yeah. And it's a really hard habit to break. Often mm. people who... <laughs> I find even people who work on their own often still say we. <laughs> I think it's... um an Australian tall poppy syndrome thing we feel like we've got to share the you know the credit rather than showing mm. we took responsibility and so often uh, people will be saying yes we did this and I'll say who's we oh I
2: so mm. yeah <laughs> I guess it's a lot of wanting to that kind of collaborative kind of culture as well, where you, you do want people to feel mm-hmm. um, included, even if it's not them. <laughs> so But does it come down to, I guess it comes back to what you're saying about the level of preparation that you do to actually understand the right terminology and the right ownership of a particular example as well. So, you know, being really aware, aware of what you did and the skills that that, that demonstrates, Would you would you um, say that? yeah for sure
0: and also thinking about the most relevant examples that you have that would be mm. that would be very similar to the problems you're going to be ex- you know experiencing in this new role. So mm. it's you know thinking about what the challenges would be in this new role. So if you're mm. an accountant for instance, uh, you know one of the challenges is being able to communicate technical accounting or tax concepts in a simple way. Mm. So, you know, if you're applying for a, a tax or an accounting role, like that would be a typical example that you would prepare that shows that you're able to communicate and simplify information to non-finance people.
2: Mm.
0: So, thinking about what would be the day-to-day challenges and, mm. you know, what examples have you got that show that you just do this all the time, that, you know, mm. it's no problem.
1: Mm. Yeah, we got, a, we got a couple of, well, we got a comment about okay. the uh, understanding the question correctly is is probably the most important thing. I can cite one of my example. I appeared for an interview. And they talked about organizational skills. And and I just did not understand you know, organizational skills. And I think I'm, and I, after I interviewed, I, I, I looked at them and said, that is not what I responded. I responded to absolutely something very different so i think the, i think there are there are also you know lessons in in actually understanding what are the sort of what words you know what do they really mean you know in in australian context or the context of work how do you you know do you, do you give you know your clients and you know sort of an uh, a homework to do that look go and search for this 50 or 100 kind of commonly asked question or commonly used words so that you can kind of, you know, do some, you know, bring some examples.
0: Yeah, well, that's right. There's so many different ways they can ask a question. There might be 50 different ways you could ask a question about teamwork. Uh, So, and I think sometimes if people, if they don't actually use the word teamwork, that throws people off. Um, So to give you an example, I remember my first graduate interview at KPMG, um, so similar to what we asked, what we were discussing before, they asked me, uh, "Tell us about a time when you were misunderstood." I had no, no, no idea. Had no idea what they were getting at. <laughs> but it was a communication question. So again, you know, tell us about a time you've tried to explain something to someone, and you've had to then, uh, you know, adapt your communication and explain it in a different way. So that's what they were getting at. But I just. I mean, I don't think I ever knew what a behavioural question was. I had, I bought a new suit for the interview. That was the only, (laughs) I think, the only, the only (laughs) Those days, those days were much easier to get a graduate position, I think. Um, So, you know, and it really threw me because I didn't really know what they're getting at. Uh, So I think it's practice. Um, On my my website, I've got a hundred behavioural questions that people can download, and I give that to my clients. Um, and that way they get used to reading mm. questions under different competencies and how they might be actually asked in a completely different way. Mm. Yeah, but it, that's what does throw people a lot when they don't actually hear the, the name of the competency included in the question. Mm. So good question, yeah.
2: What happens if you do, I mean, if you do fluff a question? and miss it completely? Are they, retri- like, from your, say your experience as an interviewer, is it a retrievable situation, you think, of the person going for the job? Look, it will
0: depend on the style of interview. If it is mm. a panel interview and every question is being marked and you completely flunk the question, you know, it might come down to how the how you're marked against another candidate at the end of the day and if yeah. they're marked higher, then, you know, you miss out. Uh, mm-hmm. so i think it, it depends on how structured the assessment process is mm-hmm.
2: that makes sense. in terms mm-hmm. of
1: the in terms of the marks because i only found that out when i appeared as an interviewee as a as a panel member just few months back at my office that you know i get to uh, get to mark them out of 10 so 10 you know differently but it also what's the what's the uh, highest weightage of that Mars? Is it more to action, more to the the results? Is that two components that takes the cake or mm. there are also other things that can also help?
0: Yeah, so look, it's mostly around the actions and the result, particularly the actions, and that's again that how ha- how you actually did it, is what is important and how you behave. And that's why it's called a behavioral question so it's showing them that you know when you resolve a conflict that you behave in the way that they would expect um that you don't go off and do something that's completely you know not consistent with their uh behavior i guess their ways of behaving or their values
1: sure yeah have mm-hmm. uh, you got a question uh uh, Lahir is asking while explaining technical achievement uh, you know is there a way to avoid technical jargons because sometimes uh, you know in especially in tech field or engineering it's just you know it's it's very co. Cool. it's why it, it has become intrinsic part of your day-to-day vocabulary uh, you know so you know how do you avoid you know coming across as just jargonish uh, and yeah. did, and also, you know, he said that would st- storytelling with common examples would that help? But ultimately, is the the question around how do you I avoid sounding too technical jargonish rather than explaining what really happened.
0: Mm. So it's a it's a bit hard to sort of I guess comment out. It's a bit out of context, but I think you first of all you've got to think about who is interviewing you. If you're talking to someone from human resources, then perhaps their technical knowledge is less than if you were talking to a hiring manager. So I think it's sort of reading your audience and understanding their level of technical knowledge. Um, secondly, I guess, if with a behavioural question, it's usually around a soft skill competency. So again, it, what is more important is about maybe how you engage with stakeholders or how you work with the team rather than the technical side um so yeah look it's a it's a little bit um i hope that answers your question um yeah
1: yeah and Mm -hmm. i i think that that's right i think i think one of the things that that's clear is that who's asking that question if there is a if there is a project manager or somebody who understands technical uh, you know sort of jargon or technical concepts, I think you know including that makes a lot of sense, uh, and yeah. and uh, you know not not ignoring that because otherwise you would come across a come across the the whole answer would be pretty bland, uh, mm, you know yeah. because it hasn't included the meaty part uh, into that. One thing that I definitely want to ask you is you know my my theory is that if you cannot for some reason if you cannot find a question from your or answer from your professional life sometimes you have to dig in into your personal experiences whether there is i don't know whether that's organizing a holiday whether that's uh, you know going out on a trip or whether that is volunteering somewhere but how? What are your thoughts on, on using a personal life experience outside of the professional experience to respond yeah. to behavioural question?
0: Yeah, so, look, I would always go for work, use a work example if you've got one. Um, otherwise, you know, particularly for graduates, they may not have had a lot of work experience. So, if, for instance, something like conflict resolution, uh, if you're not someone who goes around starting fights, uh, sometimes it's hard to come up with an example. So it might be a a misunderstanding in a group uni assignment or something like oh, that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: You know, examples from being on committees, volunteering are obviously great. Look, I prefer not to have personal examples unless, you know, if you haven't got anything else, it's better than nothing. Um, but I think, I think... It's about
2: relatability, isn't it? The,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, no, no. Um, I guess one of the things I find... Um, Concerning is that I I work with a lot of young graduates for you know coaching them for their graduate interviews and I guess something I've noticed is that a lot of them do a lot of extracurricular activities at school, um, so they might be you know playing basketball they might be in the orchestra the debating team drama on committees, often then they go to uni and sometimes they you know they drop all of that and I've worked with clients who. You know, they're at uni, they're probably doing some study, but also having a pretty good time. Um, Perhaps not doing any part time work because their parents think they should concentrate on the study. Dropped all their sport, um, not engaging in any committees or clubs at uni. Suddenly they're out of uni, four years from school. And the only examples they've got, they're drawing on examples from year 11, doing, you know, Duke of Edinburgh or something in year 10, which is, you know, five years old. So. You know, I think that's something. um, If there's people listening who are at uni now, is try and get involved in clubs, on committees, doing part-time work, even if it's just to get you give you some examples that you can use when it comes to an interview at the end of your course. Mm. Because that's when they really struggle because they can't think of examples Mm. um, because they haven't had the experience. So.
2: Mm. That would be one piece of advice <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's your well-rounded individual which is what um you know who can manage their time and you know draw from different experiences which what those employers are always looking for beyond academic results as well so yeah
0: yeah that's exactly right so if they haven't done those things like they, they haven't got an example for teamwork or for leadership or for mm. initiative. Um, they're really struggling for examples and mm. you know that makes it really hard to to give themselves the best shot when it comes to graduate program interviews
1: yeah so and for the you- parents out there you know don't use the the uh you know the the fights between two kids and then you call you know, <laughs> a conflict resolution don't use that as an example that's the that's yeah. the bottom line because that, yeah. although that 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 would probably be more apt example than than any other workplace (laughs) conflict by the way but still i would would avoid using that
0: yeah look i find that conflict example is a really tricky one for a lot of people and i know it's one that i always struggle with because Mm. apart from my having arguments with my mom um that was about it i sort of didn't have arguments in the workplace and i still don't Mm. so Mm. And I think there's a, you know, most people are like that. So mm. you know, it is a difficult one. You feel like you've got to make something up on the spot. Mm.
2: So mm. yeah, some of those questions are worded more extreme, aren't mm. they? So, but I, my theory around that is that they're designed to, because when you're confronted with extreme, it's when you demonstrate more skills rather than when something comes really easily. So. And then it comes down to what's your definition of conflict as well. You know, you might be the type of person that um, reads the landscape really well and, uh, you know, manages to um, respond proactively to situations so you avoid conflict and things like that. So, And, and that's, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. I going to say, can you reframe a question? When you get a question that you go, doesn't really I can't really but I could give you this example is that okay to do do you think
0: it's yeah look I think if there's confusion I would always clarify um so you could say look you know can I just confirm are you looking for an example like this or all this um before you sort of go off down the wrong track Mm. um so you could definitely clarify um and perhaps I look you know I haven't had an argument with anyone or a conflict but I did have a misunderstanding you know so maybe so you would use that instead. Um, mm. Likewise, if you can't think of anything, then I think you could always ask them to repeat the question to give you some more time. Um, mm. Failing that, you could ask if you can pass and perhaps come back to that question at the end and mm. hopefully you've thought of something by the end <laughs> of or they might forget um, no, yeah. I mean if, if you do ask to pass you know ideally you want to be the one who says look going back to that question I think I have mm. got an example now um mm. you know and I, I just think look rather than sitting there sweating and mm. you know if you're in if we're in a meeting situation and someone asks you something then you would say look I can't think of an example right now but can we come back to it mm. you know so I, I think look that's just handle it the way you would in that situation rather than you know, turning into a hot, sweaty mess and being
2: <laughs> really, really embarrassed, Blurting out. I remember when in my very, very young days, I kind of blurted stuff out, and I'm like, "Oh, where did that come from? Why didn't you just pause?" You know? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, pausing is a good, uh, a good tactic.
1: One mm. yeah. of one of the uh, kind of you know technique or the concept that I've used in behavioral, uh, you know, response behavior question responses is a is a short video that i watched a few months back called hero's journey and -hmm. there's a you know there's a you know somebody has really dismantled the whole concept of heroes you know from mythical heroes to comical and you know everyone and then he identified that there are stages of every hero's journey you know heroes are ordinary men or women but they then Mm -hmm. they they are faced with some some challenges so that's where you talk about the challenges and then they say that then you talk about the actions that you took in the actions that you took you know you talk about your superpower and that's where the heroes realize yeah. the superpower and then you come out of it and then you again come back to normal you know exactly how it was before so i saw that you know when i when i looked at the you know, coaching somebody in behavioral interest, i said there's some Form of similarity, and I, you know, I, I think, I think telling this like a story mm. makes a more fluid conversation rather than okay. So let me tell you, this was the challenge, this was the task, and people said that's very compartmentalized yes. response. What are your yeah, views I'll... on storytelling in responses?
0: Yeah, look, I agree. I like it to be a bit more natural and I think, you know, yeah. you can write out your example in this using the star structure but when you practise it, I always say uh, pretend you're telling your best mate at the pub after a bad day at work what happened. You know, try and make it into more of a story rather than the situation was this, my yeah. task was, you know, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, some, there are some uh, panel interviews yeah and some organisations where they actually want you to say situation, task, actions, result. Um, So in some cases that's expected. Uh, But, look, I think generally you do want it to sound a little bit less rehearsed.
2: Mm. And it gives you a track, doesn't it, in the the back of your mind. It's like, okay, move on to actions. Don't forget the actions. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's right. But I do like the superpower Mm. analogy. I like (laughs)
1: Yeah, I'll send you the link. It's fascinating. I'll send you the link. You know, every time I see that, you know, there, there are some connections that you can draw. And obviously, since you know, as you, me, and K B are, in, you know, sort of involved in career work for many, many years, we we have kind of, you know, seeing everything from that lens. Uh, you yeah. know, itself. You know, if we read anything, we say, "Oh, let me see." whether this works in a job seeker scenario or not, you know? So I think that's, that's how it worked. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we don't have any more questions. Uh, but, Leah, any other question that KB, you have for Leah? Um,
2: I guess just in terms of a general question about confidence, you know, getting yourself to feel mm. confident, more confident going to an interview. Do you have any tips on that? Yeah,
0: look, I think um, most people who call me, that's, you know, they say, look, I go I go blank, I go to water mm. in interviews, um, I'm so bad at interviews that, you know, I really need your help. Uh, look, personally, I do think it comes down to preparation and I, I do find that if people prepare correctly and they've practised their examples, you know, there's so much less chance that they'll get put on the spot mm. and that's when people do go to water because they're not expecting the question, they haven't thought of an example and, you know, these behavioural interviews, they're really hard if you haven't prepared. Mm. Um, so, you know, I do think it comes down to preparation and perhaps a little bit of practice. So, mm. you know, sometimes going to some interviews for jobs that you aren't desperate to get can be good practice as well. Mm. So it's sort of, I guess, you know, thinking, look, if I get, you know, I get this job, it's great, but it's also good experience. You know, if I miss out, it's not the end of the world.
2: Mm. It's funny with that, um, you know, that the kind of, talking out your examples that act of talking out it helps you hear what you sound like but also um clarifies your ideas as well for some people so you can yeah. you know you know when you're going off t- uh, track or gone too long or um or that type of thing as well so um yeah got a what great about feedback, uh,
1: for people uh this people are loving the discussion so that's really great oh, good. Leah, for <laughs> uh, you know for sharing some some insights into this uh, yes KB, you're asking something
2: yeah just about practicing in the mirror should you practice <laughs> in the mirror <laughs> look i i think if you've
0: got a video interview i would practice on zoom so i would mm-hmm. you know set up a new meeting just for yourself and video yourself because i find it's really hard like i've done a few videos for courses and things and i look i find it so hard to talk into a screen when there's no one on the other side mm. um so i think that's something you definitely need to practice if you're just practicing for a face-to-face interview i don't think you need to practice in the mirror but i would take i would use you know phone audio memo what's it called um audio record or voice memo mm-hmm. yeah mm. um you know tape yourself and then play it back. And I think for some people, they then, I don't know, sometimes people by hearing it, that actually like it sort of sinks in a little bit more. Um, so I think it's thinking about your learning style and what works for you. But mm. I mean, I, I know when I do a workshop and I'm a bit nervous about the intro, once I'm in the content, I'm fine, but I'll often, I actually, um, I practice with the dog. I sit the dog up on the bed and <laughs> practice. Talking to the dog, <laughs> and I get lots of <laughs> nods and good eye contact. And, um, so, what it, what, whatever works,
2: I just got a visual of that. It's like, great answer! Great answer. <laughs> thing, um, I feel with the cat, doesn't care.
1: <laughs> like... uh, right, Leah, so how do people, if people need some help, what's the best way for them to contact you? And also, give us your website detail because you said that you've got some you know sample questions that you have yeah. curated
0: yeah and that's a freebie so you anyone can download yeah. that it's a hundred behavioral questions that you need to know um if you are looking for some advice you can contact me through the website it's www.relaunchme.com.au uh, and, and we can also at the moment, on yeah. linkedin also linkedin yes is fine on
1: linkedin yeah have. yep
0: yeah um connect with me, you can ask me some questions as well. So look, I hope it's been helpful for everyone. Um, as you can see, look, it's a you know it's a topic that I love because you know, I can see what a difference it makes to people when they prepare well and it's you know satisfying when they're able to get the job that they want. so
2: thank
0: thank you for having me.
2: It's been absolutely fantastic having you, Leah. I was just going to say I love the name of your, your business, Relaunch Me, because effectively you're taking nervous wrecks through the process of becoming more polished and confident and getting something that's going to make a huge difference to their lives. So thank you for joining us. It's been fantastic
0: having you on. No, thank you.
2: you. And um, we'll, um, we'll bring you on again when we've got another meaty topic uh, coming up. Um, yeah, great. Future. Excellent. <laughs>
0: Thank you for having me and um, I hope it was helpful.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, uh, KB, you want to tell people about what to expect tomorrow?
2: So tomorrow we have Anthony Cohen from Project Displaced. Um, We had Simon Glendenny on yesterday um, talking about raised hand. And uh, Anthony is uh, another service like that um, that's been set up if you're looking to uh, use your skills um, in another context. Um, he matches, his platform matches you up. So be a fantastic discussion about what you can expect and another resource out there for you. And then coming up later in the week, we've got um, Ask Us Anything. If you'd like to subscribe, put um, to this uh, LinkedIn live, I'll put the details to subscribe in the comments and look forward to seeing you tomorrow.
1: Excellent. Uh, Thank you again, Leah, for for spending some time I know you know managing homeschooling uh, and working from home is uh, is a tough challenge uh, so thank you for spending some time with us and the discussion has been very wonderful because I'm just l- reading the comments uh, so that's really awesome uh, oh, right. and yes, we will see you tomorrow and uh, until we see you tomorrow stay happy stay healthy and you can you cannot stay indoors you can go out <laughs> Yeah. Except for so you. I'll just change my slogan. Yeah, except, for oh, except for me. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. thanks for reminding me. All right, yeah. everyone. See you tomorrow. Bye. Okay, bye, bye. bye. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Your Career Down Under show. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you want to know more about how Your Career Down Under can help you, please reach out to us on www yourcareerdownunder.com.au And if you have got a question about today's episode or if you want us to do a particular show on a particular topic, please reach out to us. We would love to do that. Until next time, be well.